in a world of violence, war, magic, and the supernatural. I am here to bring you a glimmer of hope for tomorrow. This is the Voice of Hope podcast, and you can call me Beacon, your auditory guide to the safety of Castle Refuge. To all Tomorrow Legion teams in the field, reference your updated ciphers. Your mission profile references are 3, Ace of Spades, 12, 1, 19, 8, 15, 5, 4, 6, 3, 1, 1, 7, 16, 15, Jack of Clubs, 20, 7, 10, 20, 5, 3, 5, 21, 3, 7, 10, 12, 9, 11, 9, 5, 4, 10, 9, 9, 12, 11, 6. As we have said before, with growth comes struggle and pain. A recent bout of violence from the retribution movement shows us that those with hate in their hearts are not to be swayed from wrath, especially when they believe in their own righteousness. However, it also exposed a reality we would like to all forget, that we mortal sentients are all deeply flawed creatures, and no matter how we try to reach for nobler heights, these vices will always be there with us. No group is more aware of this than the factions collectively known as the Black Market. The Razorback crew of the Chicago Syndicate in Fayetteville, Arkansas, have been both a blessing and a hindrance. They have been instrumental in helping us move thousands of refugees to the castle and also provided critical supply movements to distant set teams. However, they are also a hotbed that causes no end of trouble for the residents of Castle Refuge, seducing trouble refugees and Legionnaire members with gambling, drinking, and debauchery. Legion Intelligence also determined that the Razorbacks supplied the Retribution terrorists with their Naruni weapons. Or, shall we say, a faction within the Razorbacks, because Mr. Fairchild was not aware of such a transaction, and appeared deeply angered that it happened without his knowledge. He found the culprit, and dealt with the upstart. He also provided us with the information about another transaction between this Retribution cell and the Immaterial Hand, a black market faction from the Magic Zone. Set 723, a heavy combat team consisting of a Glitter Boy, an NG Hunter mobile gun robot, a combat cyborg, a Techno Wizard artillerist, a Leyline Walker, and a Burser, joined with 4th Platoon, 2nd Company, 1st Battalion of the Tamar Legion to crash this meeting. It is a good thing that they brought such a large contingent because the location Mr. Fairchild provided happened to be the Retribution Movement's base of operation. Apparently, the Tolkienites found an ancient Neiman bunker near Valonia, Arkansas, called the Titan Ranch. In addition to being a secure underground base, there was also a small leyline nexus on the property that the retribution movement was using to move people and equipment. When Set 723 got into position, the Immaterial Hands team was delivering a trio of iron juggernauts to the Retributionists. These techno-wizard equivalents to combat robot vehicles were one of the surprising inventions of Tolkien that have yet to be duplicated by any of the North American powers. The ensuing combat was brutal, but in the end the Legion prevailed. The local retribution movement has been squashed, and the Legion has control of a new secure base in central Arkansas. In addition, one of the Iron Juggernauts, a thundering variant, decided to join Set 723, and it is now helping to secure the Titan Ranch for the Legion. Unfortunately, this situation leaves the Legion command in a quandary. How do we respond to the Razorbacks in the Immaterial Hand? 
The Legion's contacts with the Hand informed us that the group we engaged with the Retribution Movement were sympathizers, and the rest have been punished accordingly. Funny. Where have we heard that before? These factions of the black market all attract the same type of person. Greedy. And ruthless. Two traits that can get a person far in our world. However, there is one trait that all these organizations foster above all other things. Loyalty. I dearly doubt the local leaders of the black market knew nothing about the Retribution Movement's deals. From what I understand, the 438th Community Outreach Team is also dealing with a similar situation concerning Bernardo Santos, the head of Bandito Arms in Rapid City. The Rapid City team did some digging and found that his right hand, a gringo combat cyborg named Hammer, supplied the Simvin clans attacking the region with massive stockpiles of old Bandito weapons. All evidence shows that the under-sheriff Hammer, yes, he was part of the sheriff's department of Rapid City, acted under his own authority. But it is difficult to believe that such a massive operation took place without Councilman Santos's knowledge, let alone his direction. Unfortunately, the black market is a necessary evil for Tomorrow Legion operations, and every interaction is a negotiation. Of course, keep in mind that while similar, all of these organizations are also independent cultures, so do not be complacent when dealing with any faction. It could cost you your life. Even with the current situation, the black market is an invaluable resource. The collected organizations are effective at smuggling anything around North America, be it the latest Aaron Tarn books to the upper levels of Chai Town, to the most sensitive bioreplacement cybernetics to the town of Char in the Steel Tree Forest in the east. If it needs to get there, the black market can get it there. Recently, the Tomorrow Legion has been providing support to Laszlo's Unseen Railroad, smuggling slaves from the flesh markets in Spline on the continent of Atlantis. A large part of moving these refugees to Laszlo and the Castle Refuge has fallen on the black market. This operation evolved from the agreements between the Council of Hope and Council of Learning with the black market concerning refugees. The factions of the black market are making a significant profit, smuggling these broken people to their freedom. From these freed peoples, we have been learning significantly more about the depraved world that is the continent of Atlantis. Mortal beings like you and I are no more than chattel to be sold, used, broken, and devoured. To creatures that live for eons, what can lives such as ours be truly worth? It is said that humans and other mortal sentients experience maltreatment and outright violence in all of the cities of Atlantis. And many races, such as dragons and demons, are allowed to slay and consume mortals out in public. However, minor crimes committed by mortals can lead to a death sentence. While the majority of those who live in this place are depraved and evil, there are some who venture there to try and champion change. Dragons, godlings, and a few Atlantean descendants, amongst other spirits of light, reside there to act as advocates for mortals in this dark place. They also funnel as many slaves as possible to secret groups. These organizations in turn get them to several way stations where the black market and others move them to the shores of North America. We have even heard rumblings of a rising champion amongst the slave gladiators, one who dares defy these eternal monsters, one who rallies mortals to him and leads them to honor in the arenas against overwhelming odds. There have been whispers of the time being ripe for these warrior slaves to rise up against their masters. While the High Defender would prefer to try and change Atlantis's view towards mortals, she understands that sometimes violence is the only option for the oppressed and the downtrodden. 
so the Tomorrow Legion will do what it can to assist. We have been coordinating with the Laszlo Defense Corps and the Chicago Syndicate to move a few set teams to the Continent of Monsters. Unfortunately, it is unlikely that these sets will return, so Lady Hammerheart requests only volunteers without families to accomplish this mission. Those who are about to take this solemn task, we salute you. Stay safe, move surely, and look out for your fellow refugees, especially when dealing with the black market. I, Beacon, will guide you to your new tomorrow. Speak to you again soon. Hello, Rifters, and welcome back. Sorry it's been a while since our last broadcast. The last few years have been a challenge for everybody. However, I hope to have a few episodes out the door over the next few weeks to get back into the groove. Unfortunately, due to life events, I'll be continuing uh, the new format as a lone broadcaster, so please let me know if this format works for everybody listening. So today, uh, we're going to start talking about our first faction group, uh, which is basically the seedy underbelly of Rifts with the black market. When you look back at uh, the publication from Palladium Rifts, the black market's pretty much been around since the original Rifts release. The original equipment section introduced the black market in a general way, but all the goods and services listed in the book were listed at black market cost, and that still continues to this day for the items that they produce in the Palladium books. The factions of the black market, of course, didn't really start getting detailed until World Book 14, The New West, when they introduced Bandito Arms. Final development for the black market was actually the release of the black market source book, which detailed the five major factions and their inner workings. Um, of course, this is going to kind of inform most of our discussion uh, tonight. So the black market source book introduced the five distinct factions that are within the collectively known black market. Uh, the ones that we know are Bandito Arms, which is really basically a major weapons manufacturer operating out of Area 51 in the east, and it's also in charge of major smuggling operations in the new west. The Chicago Syndicate is the Rift's manifestation of the Chicago mob, which is, you know, basically being made popular with modern TV. The Chicago network is what most individuals in the Rift's North America think of when they think of the black market. The Immaterial Hand is a group that I think is pretty cool from the Magic Zone that uses magic and Rift travel in particular to smuggle goods around the, the continent, and they also focus in magical contraband. El Acolta is considered probably the least civilized of the black market factions. They operate in the American Southwest and Northern Mexico. They specialize in drugs, prostitution, slavery. Basically, you can think of them as the post-apocalyptic version of today's drug cartels, and then maybe figure in some vampires into the mix. And then finally, El Marseille Noir is the black market uh, faction that operates out of Free Quebec. And it just so happens that they are the primary source of most Glitter Boy products and Triax products in North America. So there are also uh, other black market factions uh, in the other continents of Rifts, but since North America is the focus, we'll just talk about these. Uh, the Black Market Sourcebook, I definitely say, is an amazing product, and I definitely would recommend it because it gives you a lot of great information on the five factions, their internal views, their makeup, and it also gives you, you know, kind of the nebulous uh, uh, Palladium Rifts uh, big generator, so they have like a Market Town generator, um, and a couple, and then also like a traveling, um, sh a traveling sales group generator, as well as tons of weapons and equipment, so... 
for Game Masters, the black market factions can be used to create an amazing foil for any group you're running. Uh, I enjoy how the uh, Razorback crew is presented within Savage Foes of North America. It does a really good job of uh, representing what how the black market can be used in your adventures in that book. And um, that's kind of how I like, you know, like talked about it in this episode. Uh, they can be, you know, CD arms dealers that you have to work with to get the who and what you need to get your set team around the country, but of course for a price. However, they can also be a great threat um, since they basically have access to literally every weapon that's available in the Rifts books. Um, there's even one of the uh, included adventures in the Feralin um, uh, plot point campaign actually has you dealing with and even fighting several of the uh, the black market factions. In my personal uh, last campaign, The War on the Range, um, I had set up in Rapid City as Rapid City was a large hub uh, for Bandito Arms as kind of a... a uh, deflection from the operation at Area 51. And within that, it actually created a lot of political un intrigue between the Bandito Arms faction and Wilkes Laser Industries. Um, and Palladium Books is very much focused that Wilkes kind of controls that area. But it created a, a fun dynamic for my party to deal with with this big political fight between basically two corporations, one of them fairly good and one of them very, um, very mob-like. Um, Councilman Santos uh, basically was kind of your typical power broker. He kind of used his money, his prestige, and his power to ma manipulate events to accomplish his goals. Um, but the actions his people took he were always deniable, and you could never trace anything that happened fully back to him. I think, uh, you know, my party seemed to feel that it was a pretty fun aspect of our game. So setting up a black market related campaign can be interesting for the right group. Uh, it might be the type of game you want to go into using maybe the Wasteland Survivors campaign power level uh, from the uh, Savage Rifts Game Master's Guide, basically not actually using any um, iconic frameworks, um, maybe even suggesting using only Mars without going up to Season, for example. In addition, you might want to consider uh, getting the Wise Guys rule set from Just Insert Imagination. It is probably considered the best mob uh, setting for Savage Worlds. And while it focuses on the Mafia in and around Las Vegas in modern times, several other groups, um, kind of like Savage Mojo, have used the setting rules from that to create adventures dealing with fantasy mobs, for example. Um, so if you're thinking about a uh, Savage Rifts Black uh, Market Crew game, I'd probably definitely recommend picking up Wise Guys. Uh, for players, there's several ways to tie the black market into your games. The easiest way is to tie your character to the black market through hindrances. Taking enemy, wanted, or obligation hindrances could easily be focused on what you know your how your character interacted with the black market as probably a particular faction, uh, one of the five. Perhaps your character owes them a debt. Or, you know, also tie in something like greedy or habit could go a long way to driving the reason your character is, has negative run-ins with the black market. 
or perhaps poverty because you're constantly losing your money to one of the factions. Wise Guys also introduces a few new factions for you to look at. Beholden, I think, is a really great hindrance uh, to introduce the black market, where basically a faction of the black market has dirt on a character and wields that to meet their own needs. So imagine a game where Mr. Fairchild, the head of the Razorback crew, has something over on one of your players, and he's constantly kind of hinting that he's going to release that information to the Tomorrow Legion if your character doesn't do what he needs done at the time. Uh, blacklisted could apply to a former black market enforcer, for example, or expediter. Um, and then if you're, as a player, if you're looking to make an actual like black market-based character, for an enforcer, pretty much using any of the combat-based uh, iconic frameworks will probably work. Although... I couldn't really see a Cyber Knight Enforcer for the black market, but who knows. Um, for skill-based characters like the Expediter, probably using one of the skill-based Mars characters might be best. Um, so kind of a really interesting reference out there uh, for a black market-based game. You should check out Savage Tales of the Burbs. Uh, it was a game run by uh, Venetus Vinco from the SavageRifts.com. Um, some really good inspiration. It had a very good uh, Shadowrun style feel to it. And that's kind of um, the really kind of the feel you're going to be looking for running a black market based game. Um, and of course, for inspiration, you know, just general media, there's plenty to choose from. I mean, if we're talking about the black market, whether you're trying to find some way to base characters on them as a game master or to run a game, I mean, you've got to watch The Sopranos. Um, definitely modern day, but you can easily kind of morph it, uh, those feelings and those archetypes into the game. Of course, you got Firefly, Solo from Star Wars. You've got Arcane, the... Uh, the kind of pseudo uh, Eberron uh, cart, uh, anime from Netflix, and then of course Book of Boba Fett also provides some really good science fiction and fantasy versions of criminal organizations. But with all that, make sure you pay respect to the boss, honor the faction's traditions, and never sell out. Well, we'll speak to you again soon. If you have any refugee questions, wish to leave a mission report, or submit a legionnaire for Legionnaire's Last Call, please email me at voiceofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Please consider joining our community at Facebook Savage Rifts, MeWe Savage Rifts, and also check out savagerifts.com for online play-by-post and VTT games. Also, if you're interested in all things Rifts, you should consider going to the Palladium Books Open House from April 22nd to 24th of this year. There will be Palladium artists and games, as well as the potential releases of the Rifter Annual and the CS Manhunters books. The Voice of Hope is a Savage Rifts fan podcast. The music in the intro and prologue are Killers and Rhinos theme by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. Savage Worlds and Deadlands are copyrighted 2016 and trademarked Pinnacle Entertainment, all rights reserved. Rifts and the Megaverse are registered trademarks and Palladium books.